Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're taking a look at a new report on the evolution of work from home. It's published by three authors, Jose Maria Barrero from the Autonomous Technology Institute in Mexico, Nicholas Bloom from the University of Chicago School of Business, and Stephen Davis from Stanford University. This 29-page paper has been in circulation since July as a working paper and was finally published yesterday by the Bureau of Economic Research. Some very interesting findings in the report. Working from home rose by a factor of five from 2019 to 2023, with 40% of U.S. employees now working remotely at least one day a week. The productivity of remote work depends critically on the mode. Fully remote work is associated with about 10% lower productivity than fully in-person work. Challenges with communicating remotely, barriers to mentoring, building culture, and issues with self-motivation appear to be some of the major factors. But fully remote work can generate even larger cost reductions from space savings and global hiring, making it a popular option for some firms. Hybrid working appears to have no impact on productivity, but is also popular with firms because it improves employees' recruitment and retention. Looking ahead, we predict working from home will continue to grow because of the expansion in research and development into new technologies that improve remote work. So the pandemic generated a one-off jump and longer-run growth accelerating in working from home. This piece of research shows us how work from home has changed a lot, not just since the pandemic, but over a longer time period. Working from home has been rising in the United States for decades, driven by continuing improvement in technology that enables remote work. Back in 1965, about 0.4% of full-paid days in the U.S. were worked from home. In the 1960s, many of these home-based jobs were in agriculture or craft activities. But in the 1990s, the work from home had more than doubled to 1% as the personal computer started to become more available. It quadrupled again at 4% by 2016 as the internet became widely available. So even pre-pandemic, from home rates were growing rapidly, doubling roughly every 15 years. What's clear is that the office is not dead, but it's changing. Companies can accomplish their work with different office configurations than was necessary when employees were in the office five days a week. For example, some law firms have eliminated the dedicated spaces and replaced them with conference rooms and some temporary desks that they call hotel space. Full on-site employees are the most numerous, accounting for about 60% of American employees, but they're also the lowest paid segment on average. These fully on-site employees tend to be frontline retail, food services, accommodations, travel, cleaning, security, and other in-person jobs that are difficult to do remotely. So even during the pandemic, employees in these occupations worked almost entirely in person after the 2020 lockdown periods where many of them didn't work at all. Over time, some of these jobs would become easier to do remotely as technology and practices evolved. Many family doctors, for example, ran telemedicine days during the pandemic so patients could get advice, they could renew prescriptions, they could get test results, and so on, all using video calls. The second group was described as doing hybrid working from home, and it's the highest paid group on average. accounts for nearly 30% of employees. They typically work from home two to three days a week and commute to business premises the rest of the week. The most common pattern within this group is working from the office Tuesday and Thursday, anchored around heavily in-person activities like meetings and presentations. On Monday and Friday, employees work from home and focus on quieter individual activities. Hybrid employees are 
generally in graduate and professional jobs, especially in middle and senior management positions of larger firms. The third group of employees are fully remote. They tend to work in IT-centric call center, payroll, HR, and other benefits jobs that require more limited interaction. These jobs are mostly computer-based, involving mostly individual tasks that are usually easily monitored. Just over 10% of U.S. employees were working remotely by summer of 2023. Earlier in the pandemic, a far larger share of workers was fully remote, including many professionals and managers. But as social distancing restrictions and practices declined, senior managers asked many employees, especially those in team-focused jobs, to return to the office on a hybrid schedule. We expect the number of fully remote jobs to continue to decline in the long term. Some fully remote jobs will relocate overseas as firms exploit lower-cost labor in countries like Mexico, India, and the Philippines. Other jobs might be automated by artificial intelligence. There's a variety of explanations why working from home levels varies widely across countries and regions even after the pandemic. U.S. homes tend to be larger and they can accommodate a home office more often than in other regions, making it easier to work remotely. European and Asian houses and apartments are often a lot smaller, so space might limit a worker's ability to work remotely. Probably the single largest factor explaining the variation of working from home is education. There's a strong positive gradient between the amount of work from home hours and educational attainment. Employees with a high school degree or less spend 18% of their days working from home. Those with a graduate degree do so for 37% of their days, more than double the amount. The reason the college and graduate degree holders tend to work in occupations that are heavily computer-based, and so they're easier to perform remotely. By contrast, employees with only a high school degree are more likely to be frontline workers working directly with customers, materials, equipments, and products. So what does this mean for the future of office? In my opinion, with a few rare exceptions, there is a surplus of office space, particularly in large markets. And I don't need to reiterate the 27 to 30% vacancy that's present in places like New York, San Francisco, Houston, and many others. We've talked about this in the past on the show. Virtually every major city has a surplus of office for the next several years and probably decades to come. Smaller centers will have pockets of oversupply and pockets of shortage depending on the hyperlocal situation. As you think about that, Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.